aren't we? All right, so uh, in this part of the program, we thought that we would do some mantras for, for Guruji, but also for everyone. So uh, we're going to do the Guru Stotram, the 11 verses from, taken from the, the uh, Guru Gita. And then we'll do 27 Triambakam, a healing mantra. And it's, of course, dedicated to uh, Guruji, but it's also dedicated to everyone who's uh, suffering. So many people are suffering right now, not just with the pandemic, but with the situation in Europe and other things. So let's put our hearts into it and dedicate it to humanity and Guruji. <laughs> Oh, 
reach the hearts of everyone who's in need. All right, so here we are, in the next part of the program, which uh, it's a great delight for me. But first, uh, on Guruji's behalf, I would like to, and as he would say, I would like to welcome you all with uh, great love and respect with all my heart. So tonight I'm sharing a talk on the Yoga Vashishta. Guruji, he gave this talk some years ago. And uh, I have to say I love this text. Perhaps because it's a question and answer session between guru and disciple, the whole book. It's a very long dialogue between Lord Ram, who's uh, a prince, and his guru Vashishta. As is the Guru Gita, you know, sometimes we forget that it's a long question and answer between Shiva, the first guru, and his disciple, who also happens to be his wife, Parvati. So I pulled a quote from the back of the book uh, written by Baba, because I thought it appropriate. And he writes, for aspirants of the highest beatitude, which of, of course all of us, the yoga vishishta is like nectar. It is a storehouse of wisdom. Is my microphone working properly? Can you turn that on? Thanks. So Guruji begins his talk. He says, tonight the sage because he's always speaking from the sages and saints and great beings, is Lord Ram and his guru, Vashishta. Together, they created the Yoga Vashishta, or else, he says, some unnamed sage might have, might have written it. Anyway, the fiction is that it's between Vashishta and Ram. And we're going to look at this text, which is purported to be the teaching of Vashishta to Ram, a very noble and high teaching. And if that's the fiction, then let's accept, accept it. I don't think, do we have a problem accepting it? No, but being born in New York and being an American, he's a skeptic. <laughs> so it's natural. It's from the 8th to 10th century, and it's called a moksha upaya. Upaya means method and moksha means freedom. It's considered a path to liberation. Just reading it can give self-realization and liberation. So rush out and quickly buy Yoga Vashishta if you're not realized and liberated yet. <laughs> the main teaching is how the mind creates both bondage and liberation. The mind is a central figure in the drama of our yoga, of our sadhana. If our mind is working the right way, it creates liberation. If the mind is working the wrong way, as it does terribly often, it creates bondage and contraction. I forgot to welcome everyone out there in radio land. So hello, everyone out there. The Yoga Vashishta describes the philosophy of consciousness, non-dual consciousness. The great Vedantic philosopher Vashishta counsels his young protege, Ram, Lord Ram, about the ways of the world through 64 stories designed to move Rama from ignorance to wisdom. The text has extraordinary psychedelic-like stories that span many lifetimes, yogis and saints, and the stories always uplift. The Yoga Vashishta says that we, first we must attain knowledge of the self, of consciousness. Then once we are established in that, we can act fruitfully in the world. 
It talks about life as a dream. We can make our dream beautiful or not, depending on the way our minds work. It lays particular importance on self-inquiry. It says self-inquiry is the method to penetrate the difficulty of the illusion of the dream. One of the great statements that Baba quoted all the time was, ya drishti sa shrishti, the world is as you see it. We believe we see the world objectively, but the world is filtered through our minds. Hence, if we're depressed, which was Lord Ram's problem, we see the world as depressed. If we're happy, the world looks happy. We cannot see an objective world unless we obtain objective consciousness. Vasishta says everything exists in the mind, and by working with the mind, we can be rid of the influence of past tendencies which imprison us. We can get rid of the mind's negative tendencies and attain great peace. The main battle that Vashishta describes is the battle to know the self by overcoming these negative tendencies that take us away from it, that lead to fear, that lead to anger, to jealousy, to hatred, and to depression. These are movements of the mind that lead us astray. Guruji goes on. He says, I thought I would begin with one of the stories so you can get a sense of what the text is really about. What else do I want to tell you about the text? Baba, on more than one occasion, told me to read it. So it's very dear to me. I will share Udalaka's story. Oh, maybe we should show, where's Girish? Should we show the, the great images we have of the... There's uh, Vashishta teaching Lord Ram. And we have Udalaka, who's the hero of this, of this uh, particular story. And oh. <laughs> the sage Shankarananda. <laughs> Yeah. This story of Udalaka is set over many days. The teaching starts early in the morning when Ram goes to see Vashishta. There's a large gathering of courtiers in the palace, but Vashishta begins the teaching, and then Ram asks him questions. The dialogue begins with what is known as Ram's despair an incredibly long, probably 80 pages on how he finds life meaningless. He had a lot to feel meaningless about. He was a prince, he had lots of money, he was as handsome as a god and powerful. He had, you know, a terrible life, <laughs> but he was depressed all the time. Very similar to Buddha's story, right? When Buddha had that great shock of seeing uh, outs what was going on outside the palace, and he ran away to meditate and realize the self. He was depressed all the time, Ram. Finally, Vashishta gave him the teaching on the self. And so the following is somewhere in the middle of this long dialogue. Vashishta says to Ram, Oh, Ram, do not take your stand on concepts and precepts of the mind, which are subtle and sharp. The mind has been put together by time and has gained great strength in the course of time. So all of Ram's, he's saying all of your impressions have come about since you took birth and perhaps before. But Guruji says, so Vashishta is saying the things you believe, the things you've experienced, all those things that you take for granted in your mind are not necessarily true. You've developed your mind over years. 
your parents taught you things, your culture taught you things. However, you should be able to get beyond these things, these learned things. The mind is strong, but it does have certain tendencies. Vashishta says, bring it under control by wisdom before time fells the body, before you die, basically. By devoutly contemplating my words, you will attain supreme bliss. And Guruji comments, he says, before it's too late, control the mind through wisdom. He's encouraging us to take up this teaching and practice it. This is the promise of the sages. He says, I always talk about the great beings. They represent a possibility for us. And that's the possibility of living with peace and happiness. And when they say, follow my words, they mean follow my teachings. Do what I say, practice what I teach, and you will attain my state of consciousness. In other words, the great being state of consciousness. Think, I will attain the self. I will attain joy. And I think that it's very important to believe this, that happiness, joy is possible to attain in this lifetime. Vashishta goes on, he says to Ram, you will attain supreme bliss. I shall narrate to you, O Ram, how the sage Udalaka attained the supreme vision of the truth. Now begins the story of Udalaka. In the corner of the earth, there is a great mountain known as Ganda Madadana. On one of its peaks, there was a great tree. In that region, there lived a sage. Udalaka, even while he was young, aspired to attain supreme wisdom through his own effort. And Guruji says, that's what Baba's devotees say about him. Baba, from an early age, was interested in self-realization. Hence, he left home at 15 and went to ashrams. Udalaka, from a young age, wanted to obtain supreme wisdom. Of course, then he was of little understanding and had a restless mind, but he had a pure heart. So he meant well, but his mind was out of control. He engaged himself in austerities, in the study of scripture and rituals, and wisdom began to arise in him. While sitting alone one day, Udalaka reflected upon himself and asked, what is liberation, which is the foremost among the objects to be obtained? Upon attaining, who does not have sorrow and is not born again. In other words, sorrow disappears. The Yoga Vashishta talks a lot about sorrow. Perhaps because Ram, Lord Ram is caught in his depression, which is a darker version of disappointment and sorrow. But Guruji comments, he says, now in the culture that I come from, and I'm sure you come from also, Liberation was never mentioned, was it? Hmm? This is what we must gain in life. The idea, the sadhana, the practice of becoming free, of being liberated. Our parents and education didn't tell us this, did they? But there will come a time, perhaps, when parents will tell their children. Liberation is the highest good and the highest goal in life. Udalaka asks himself, when shall I rest permanently in that state? When will the mental agitations, desires, and cravings cease? And Guruji says, I think all of us can relate to this question. Have you ever wondered and asked yourself, when is the difficulty going to end? When is my mind going to become quiet? When the mind's torture seems endless, we ask, when will it end? 
I do my mantra, I meditate, I practice, and still, it's never quiet. Now, we've all had that experience when we've struggled terribly with our minds. But eventually, it passes, and it's important to know that with, as long as we practice a little bit. Everything passes. When will my mind, Udalaka says, cease to undergo anguish and be as the lotus laying on but untainted by mud? Guruji says, many scriptures say that the lotus is laying in mud but is never touched by it. And so this image is a metaphor for, for one of the ways we can live our life with all its vicissitudes, the crummy way people treat us, the nasty things that happen, and the way the world doesn't go along with what we want. The great beings tell us that we can still be calm in the face of pain. But Udalaka, please, he says, when will I, with the help of the boat of supreme wisdom, cross to the shore of liberation? He's impatient. He wants it to end then. And Guruji says, you know, that crossing the shore is a familiar image. And it's a great line here. Kazutalaka goes on. He says, when will I be able to look upon the diverse activities of people with the playfulness of a child? But in fact, he's asking, you know, how can I stay calm in the face of all the things I have to, have to deal with in my life? And I think that's a question that all seekers ask. And Guruji says, let's take that seriously. When will I be able to see all the things people do and everything that happens as a play of consciousness? When will I not lose my sense of humor but just be able to play with everything, to take things lightly. And Udalaka goes on. He says, still questioning himself. It's a question and answer. It's like a kind of self-inquiry. The Yoga Vishishta does emphasize self-inquiry. And so he's asking, uh, he, he, his mind is playing the role of the disciple and his also as Shiva, the answerer. He says, when will my mind attain oneness? When will the illusionary division between the subject and the object cease through the experience of infinite consciousness? When will I be able to behold the concept of time without being caught in it? And Guruji says, he's being philosophical. He's asking, when will I know consciousness? When will I be able to understand the past, present, and future? Udalaka sees this as, and he quotes him, living in a cave with a tranquil mind, like a rock, in a state in which there is no movement at all. That's what he thinks his goal is. And of course, we have a Sri rock over there. So that image doesn't really appeal to me. Does it appeal to you? To sit like a rock? I don't know. It's maybe because I'm uh, an emotional type, so I never think I can ever sit like a rock and not respond. Anyways, Guruji says, he is like a Raja Yogi. He wants to withdraw to a cave. They want their minds to be still without any thoughts. That is the goal of a Raja Yogi. Baba's ashram was like a three-ring circus, and the Raja yogis freaked out. Baba, they would ask him, can't I go live in a cave? And Baba replied that the ashram was much more testing than sadhana or practice in a cave. You can live in a cave. You might be able to quiet your mind, but then you'd walk outside, and there would be two people in a disagreement fighting each other, and you would probably lose everything that you'd attained. Baba said if you gain something in the maelstrom of the ashram, then you have really gained something. 
And Udalaka, or Vashishta says about Udalaka, thus reflecting, Udalaka continued his practice of meditation, but his mind continued to be agitated. However, his mind abandoned externals, finally, and remained in a state of purity. It became still. And Guruji says, if you're a meditator, you know that sometimes you hit that sweet spot of a still place, and then you go deeper. Have you had that experience? And often, he says, Guruji says, we don't know how it happened. It happens by grace. Perhaps maybe just at the point when we're about to give up, the doors of grace open and we feel that relief and peace of a quiet mind. But Vashista says, at other times, Udalaka's mind was greatly disturbed, greatly distressed by such changing moods as he wandered the forest. One day he reached a lonely spot which had not been visited by anyone else. There he saw a cave which appeared to be most conducive to the attainment of utter tranquility and peace. It was delightful in every way with beautiful creepers and flowers all around it, with a moderate climate, and it shone as if it, as if it had been carved out like an emerald. And Guruji says, now he's having the yogi found a good place to meditate experience. <laughs> and Vashishta continues, Udalaka entered that delightful cave and sat in a meditative posture. Guruji says, do any of you think that going to a cave would be heaven? Do you think that? Any of you think that? Huh? Uh, at the end of a hard day, you might want to run off to the Himalayas for about five minutes. <laughs> Anyways, I knew some in India when I was doing sadhana in the 70s, and we called them cave yogis, those who had that desire, a serious desire. But Vashishta goes on. He says, of Udalaka, he says, intent, of of intent on attaining a state of mind without the least movement of thought, Udalaka concentrated his attention on the latent tendencies of the mind, and he reflected thus on himself. He says to himself, O oh mind, let go of the world. Pleasure turns into pain later. He who abandons, abandons supreme peace within and goes in search of sense pleasure abandons a delightful garden and wanders into a bush of poisonous herbs. Doesn't like the world much, does he? You may go where you like. You will never taste supreme peace except through perfect quiet, perfect stillness. And Vashishta continues, he says, Mind is of the nature of perfect ignorance. When ignorance wears out, then the mind wears out too. Hence, you're in the process of being worn out. When we get sick and tired of all the negative chatter, he's saying, in our minds. I guess there's a surrender to renouncing it or giving it up, right? like in Turiyananda's talk. But Vashista says, Udalaka thinks to himself, since day by day, he's talking to himself, you are becoming weaker and weaker. Oh mind, I am the egoless, infinite, and homogeneous consciousness. I have nothing to do with you, the cause of ego. So the mind has become a demon you could say, and he's determined to get rid of it, the negative patterns. But Guruji says, Udalaka is giving himself what we call G-statements. I am not the mind, I am consciousness. I renounce you, I am consciousness. Let's say that to ourselves for a moment. So let's do that. He suggests we do a short contemplation 
We can close our eyes and contemplate, I am the self, I am consciousness. Okay, let's come back to the room. I always experience some relief when I turn my intention inward. And it doesn't even matter what the first thought is. It's just that sense of aha. The first, it's a sense of somehow coming home to my own self. Udalaka continued to reflect on consciousness. It cannot be conditioned he says, it is unlimited and more subtle than an atom. Hence, it is beyond the influence of mental conditioning. So he's made this kind of intellectual separation. He now can clearly see that there's something underneath whatever the mind is bringing up. And Guruji says, so now we're talking about our own awareness. And you can look at your own awareness by introspection. We usually call it the mind, which is a superficial part of awareness. The source of the mind is pure awareness. The mind can take on any thought form, can't it? It can think anything. What is the material that takes all those forms? It is pure consciousness, pure awareness and it is perfectly malleable. It, it can become all thought and form, but consciousness is who we are, and it cannot be conditioned to think one thought or think one form or take one form only, but thoughts do not affect consciousness. Consciousness holds them. Vashista says, the mind rests in the ego sense, and from this, the illusion of limitation of consciousness arises. In other words, when we see a contraction of consciousness, we think it's real. And Guruji says the ego comes in, and then we believe we are simply a limited person. But Vashishta advises, he says, let the body continue to live in a world brought into being but it's by its ignorant activities or abandon it. I am consciousness is unaffected by any of these. Because it's the source, it cannot be affected. And Guruji says, I don't care if the body lives or dies. If I stay in the body or leave it, I am pure consciousness. Now this is an interpretation. He's not saying that now. This is an interpretation of what Vashishta is saying, which is consciousness being infinite and all-pervading. It has no birth or death, nor can it be possessed by anyone. However, even though we can't possess it, we can bask in it. We can sit with it. We can know it. We can experience it. And Guruji says, consciousness is our very nature, and in its pure state, it's the same in all of us. Vashishta says, it has nothing to gain by living as a separate entity, since it is all-pervasive. Birth and death are mental concepts. They have nothing to do with the self. The self is free from ego and therefore beyond being and non-being. And Guruji says, these words are exalted and pointing to a place beyond thought, beyond thinking. And Vashishta goes on, he says, the self, which is consciousness, exists as the supreme self of all and is always everywhere in everyone. And Guruji says, Vashishta is not the only expert in consciousness. We're all experts because we are consciousness. We are conscious beings. We're alive. We're awake. 
were present here now. We experienced this moment together. Written on consciousness are our personal elements. Our personality, our history, and our things are embedded. They're in memory. However, behind all that, underneath all that, we are pure consciousness. Vashishta goes on. Thus, whatever there is, is the one cosmic being, Brahman, the self. And Guruji says in the Upanishads, Brahman is a code word for consciousness. Brahman is the ineffable, is the eternal, is infinite awareness. And aham, Brahmasmi, I am Brahman, is one of the great statements and mantras. Not my personhood, not when I feel limited and bound by my mind, but as my essential nature. And that the Yoga Vashishta says, or Vashishta says, I am that reality. So why do I suffer? Because as we do yoga, we begin to understand that we are that real reality, but still, suffering can appear and bring us down. But Guruji says, so we've been to the guru, we've been to the sages, we've heard, I am Brahman, and yet, we still suffer. If we are, how do we hold these two together when we're suffering? We know the higher truth, and yet sometimes live as though it doesn't exist. We forget it. An interesting condition, isn't it? So what do we do about that? He says, the power of Brahman eventually overcomes the power of ignorance. And if we remember to reflect on Brahman, or consciousness, as our true nature, it will burn up our ignorance. It becomes more powerful because it's stronger, truer than ignorance. In this movie of ignorance and freedom, the good guys win in the end. And Vashishta says, the self alone exists. The mind was consciousness in the beginning and will be consciousness again in the end. Why then is it called different in the middle? So Guruji says, a Kashmir Shaivite would say that the mind as it is, is our consciousness. And you don't have to look anywhere else. Zen would say that too. To be as we are is enough. Vashishta says, all these phenomena have a transient reality like dream experiences and visions similar to the state of a drunkard having delirious hallucinations, optical illusions, psychosomatic illness, emotional disturbance, and psychotic states. That doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? And Guruji says, that's the description of our life. But Udalaka begins again by talking to his mind. Oh mind, you have conferred a permanent reality upon them, meaning these thoughts that bring him down, the thoughts of ignorance. And Guruji says, we take them seriously also. But Udalaka is still talking to his mind. He says, it is my fault that I still cling to the notion that you, my mind, are a real entity. When I realize that all these are illusory appearances, then will you become no mind. In other words, then his mind will become quiet. And Guruji says, when I see this is only my mind, then it will disappear, it will dissolve, it will go back to consciousness or be merged back into consciousness. And Vashishta says, when consciousness realized itself and abandoned its limiting conditioning, the mind is freed and rests in its essential nature, which is that same consciousness. When the mind gathering to itself all its limbs, 
offers itself to the fire of pure consciousness, it is purified and attains immortality. And I think it limbs, and I think in this case may refer to the senses and the organs of action, you know, how we move through the world. And Guruji says the metaphor for this is the Vedic fire ritual. You offer ghee and other substances. But here, we pour the mind into consciousness. We sacrifice the negative thoughts into the power of consciousness. And in that moment, our impurities are burned. And Uttalaka realizes, he, sense, he says, since all delusion has come to an end, since the mind has ceased to be, all evil thoughts have vanished, and I rest peacefully in my own self. Somehow he's attained enlightenment through all of this. If it were only, if it only took that long, right? 80 pages of a book, <laughs> chapter in a book. So Guruji says, he has attained. Now he's ready to really meditate. Yogis say that the process is first to hear the teaching, then mull it over, think about it, and then understanding deepens through meditation. First you know this understanding by hearing it, and then you reflect deeply upon it. So Vashishta says, this is very esoteric. He talks about the three stages, these three things. But anyways, Uttalaka sat down in the lotus posture with his eyes half closed in meditation and repeated the holy word, Om, which bestows the highest state. And he intoned Om in such a way that its vibrations filled his whole being right up to the crown of his head. At first, he exhaled his breath completely, as if his life force had abandoned his body and was roaming in the space of pure consciousness, a fire arose from his heart and burnt the whole of his body. I don't think very many of us would have this experience, but maybe, maybe. With the second utterance of the holy word Om, he reached the state of equilibrium, and in a spontaneous retention of breath, without agitation or vibration, the life force stood still, as if it were neither outside nor inside, below nor above. Now remember, this is Baba's uh, instruction on hamsa, on repeating the mantra and, and working with the breath when we repeat that mantra. After the fire of tapasya burned within, his body was reduced to ashes. When it burnt itself out, only pure ashes were visible. It was as if his very bones had turned to camphor and was burning in adoration. A powerful wind arose and dispersed his ashes in space. Now this is where the yoga vashishta gets a little psychedelic. In the third stage, when the holy word Om reached its culmination, tranquility arose. The inhalation of the breath, the drawing in of the life force, in the very center was the nectar of consciousness, and it spread out in space as a cool breeze. These forces reached the region of the moon, and there they became auspicious moonlit rays which rained on his body which had become ashes. And Guruji says, oh, he took, he took the room into uh, an Om practice, but I don't think we'll do that right now. I think I'll continue because I'm going on a very long, would you like me to stop? <laughs> it could be a cliffhanger. <laughs> no? <laughs> All right, so Vashishta says, instantly from the ashes arose a radiant being with four arms like Lord Vishnu, 
Swamiji says, this is called Shakshakar, the vision of the deity. It can happen in the late stages of meditation. Baba talked about it in play of consciousness as the blue person. But Vashishta goes on about Udalaka. He says he shone like divinity. His whole being shone with godly-like radiance. The life force was filled with the kundalini energy which spread like a spiral in Udalaka's body, which had become completely purified. Then he, who was already seated in the lotus posture, made the posture firm, tied up his senses, and proceeded to make his consciousness free. There was no thought. And with all his strength, he restrained his mind from distraction. His eyes, half closed, were still and motionless. With his mind established in inner silence, he equalized the movement of the twin life forces, prana and apana, the in-breath and out-breath. He made them equal. He withdrew his inner senses from contact with their objects, even as oil is separated from the seed, and thereupon Udalaka directly became aware of the mental conditioning created by past experiences and made it pure. And Guruji says he pulled his mind back from his tendencies. And Vashishta says he firmly closed his rectum and other outlets of the body. He was firmly holding the Shakti, the Kundalini energy, within him. And Guruji says the three locks or the three bandhas within the body. Vashishta says, with his life force and his awareness thus prevented from externalization by perfect discipline, he held his mind in his heart. And Guruji's commentary says, put your mind in your heart. How many can do that? Well, I think we're fortunate because Shaktipat makes it much easier. He's putting in so much effort, and he must have been very tired from all that effort. But luckily, Guru's grace shortens this process. Vashishta continues. He said, Udalaka's mind had attained absolute tranquility, and no distraction could afflict it. He held in his heart the darkness of ignorance that veiled the light of self-knowledge, but the light of self-knowledge arose in him, and he dispelled even that darkness. He then beheld the light within. However, when that light dimmed, he experienced sleep. He even dispelled the dullness of sleep. Guruji's comment commentary, I would never give up sleep, not even for realization. <laughs> These are stages of meditation that happen and he is going beyond each stage. Vashishta says, once the drowsiness of sleep had been dispelled, his mind threw up diverse, brilliant forms. He cleared his consciousness of these visions going beyond sleep and then beyond visions, and he was overcome by some great inertia, like one intoxicated. When he got over that inertia, and after his mind rested in another state, which was different from everything he had so described. After resting for a while, his mind awoke to the experience of the totality of existence. And Guruji says, Vashishta is describing what can't be described. Think of this as a great work of art and try to intuit where it's going. Let's think of this as a possibility for all of us. Vashishta says immediately after this, he experienced pure awareness. This awareness until then had been associated with other factors, and it now regained its purity and independence. And Guruji says, Udalaka realized that his true identity was the self, was consciousness. And Vashishta says, even as the wave merges in the ocean and becomes one and is non-different from it, consciousness abandons objectivity 
and regains its absolute purity. And I think he means in this that he, there's no longer a feeling of being separate from everything we perceive. He enjoyed the supreme bliss that the gods enjoy. His state was beyond description. He was one with the ocean of bliss. He got it. He took the S training and he finally got it with the sage Vashishta. How is that? Good? I think it's wonderful stuff. Oh, anyway, so let's meditate. And uh, I wrote down some of the, the great statements. So we can pick a, if we like, if you'd like. I mean, you can obviously use the mantra or any mantra that you, you love to, to say or contemplate on some of these great statements in the text. Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman, or I am that or I am the self, or I am consciousness. But meditate on the great statement that you resonate with and let that just be in your consciousness, in your meditation. <laughs> 